Hello and welcome to Dialogues in Dermatology. I'm Dr. Lauren Council, your Editor-in-Chief. We have another exciting podcast for you today. We hope that you enjoy. This is Jonathan Cantor, and uh, I have the distinct honor and pleasure today of interviewing Dr. Sandra Lee. Dr. Lee really is a dermatologist who needs no introduction. She has literally, and not literally in the teenage sense, but literally billions of views on YouTube and other social media sites. She is known uh, worldwide as Dr. Pimple Popper. Uh, She has a hit television show. Uh, She has been featured all over the place. And it's really a distinct honor to have you here joining us on Dialogues in Dermatology to talk about tangential dermatology careers. So thank you so much, Dr. Lee, for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you very much for reaching out to me. This is really nice. Who would have thought? 10 years ago that I'd be on dialogues myself. So it's an honor, really. Well, thank you. That's wonderful. And as we get started, and as we think about careers in dermatology and different directions that people can go, we hear a lot of our colleagues talking about frustrations they may have, or about those feelings of burnout that have become more and more in the news lately, and that have become more and more in the literature lately. Any nuggets of advice that you'd like to share with our listeners regarding approaches in general to their career and to thinking about their place as a physician, as a dermatologist, and as a member of the community, that might help them in putting things into perspective a little bit. Yeah, I think that one thought that I've always had in my mind, really, and it kind of sounds harsh, but in many ways, it's true, is we are limited as dermatologists by really ourselves. We are the rate limiting step. And so we have found ways, certainly, to be able to change this a little bit, having uh, mid-level providers, becoming more of a business person instead of just a dermatologist. But I think that I've always kind of had in my mind, like, what can you do in what we do? Because I'm so lucky to be a dermatologist, and I think all of us feel this way. How can I make money when I sleep? How can I not be the limiting step? How can I not be the person that has to be there to have something happen? And I think that what I really have thought about is when social media came around and I saw that there was this thing and there are people that were getting well known for whatever they did, I saw that, hey, I am in a specialty that is very specific. And there's only so many of us that can do what we do. So I can offer something to the world that like, I have to compete with a very few number of people to be like the one that is known or that sort of thing. I'm not saying I'm the best, certainly that's not the case, but to distinguish yourself, I have a smaller group of people to compete with. So I think that that is one of the things that I've always kind of been underlying maybe in my mind, like thinking that way. And I just like to think that I just like to think in this way that if you have a problem with something, say like my drink container, I have a tough time opening this. It's like a pain in the butt. I don't just complain about it. I don't just say like, oh my gosh, this is hurting my hand. This is so annoying. I will start to think, well, what can I do to make that better? And I think that that's an important way to think. Like, don't just complain about things or when you notice things going on in your environment that are not like ideal, I always try to think, what can I do? Not saying that they ever come to fruition. I mean, there's a lot of things that I'm like, I thought at first and this person's doing that because, you know, I didn't have the ability or the time or anything involved to do something about it. But it's really nice to be able to do that when it's within your specialty, you know, when it's something very specific in that way. 
No, that's great. And I think the point you raise about thinking creatively and about having that kind of creative inventive drive where I think a lot of us in dermatology are very much like that. I agree yes. with you that there is this trend. Dermatology, I think, self-selects for people who aren't necessarily just interested in clocking in, seeing patients for eight hours, clocking out and leaving, but rather for people who are thinking all the time and saying, well, how can I do this differently? And how can I change this? And I think we see this in dermatology all over the place. We see this in terms of the number of surgical techniques that are developed by dermatologists, right? right? Or liposuction mm -hmm. techniques or things like that, where you wouldn't necessarily think that dermatologists would be the ones to think of it. But I think it's because the personalities are such that we're always trying to say, how can we do it better? What can we do better? That really drives that. So I think that in itself, I think, is a great answer for people in terms of when they're thinking about what do I want to do? How do I want to approach things? I think the idea of kind of moving beyond your comfort zone and also of always thinking and always analyzing things to kind of get yourself to the next level, I think that's a key point. So that's wonderful. So a lot of the people that are listening might be thinking about social media and they might be saying to themselves, listen, either I've got a social media account, but really I'd use it for friends and family, or I have one for my practice, but really we don't have a lot of engagement there. What are your thoughts as perhaps the master of all things social media to dermatologists in terms of where should dermatologists be thinking about investing their time, their energy, and their interests? And what should some of the things that they are keyed in to trying to include as they expand that be? And also what should some of the things that people should be concerned about and should be a little bit wary of as they perhaps embark or expand their journey into social media? Well, the first answer is really kind of tough because I do think, and I've certainly seen, I've only been doing this for like five years or so, five and a half years, and it is changing all the time. And I'm not necessarily on the cutting edge of all this changing. There's a lot of stuff that I know I don't know about that is new and that is changed. And I think that it would probably be better if I did know about these things or really had put the effort into devoting my time to Twitch more or TikTok more. But again, those are new. Twitch has been around for a while, but it's a different kind of medium. And TikTok is fairly new. I think a lot of people get overwhelmed with all these different things and what is involved. And it's true. It, it sort of has to be a part of your life. You have to think about it. I'll tell you, I went to the Verizon store. I have a Verizon phone like a couple years ago and I had like the lifetime data plan and they wanted to change it. And they're like, you can change to whatever you want. It, you're not going to use that much data. I'm like, I don't think so. I use a lot of data. And the guy who looked up my data plan and how much data I use, he was like shocked. He said like, I've never seen anybody use that much data. I mean, it becomes part of your life, what you do. And so in terms of advice, I mean, I think that it, for me, it was a lot of planets aligning and also just most important, what was in control for me was seizing the moment. I think like I saw that there was something there and that's what prompted me to like really go all in. Like I was like, I'm doing this every day. I'm just watching this grow because it's kind of like gambling. When you get people to look at something, it's like a rush. It's fun. It's interesting. It was fascinating to me. I mean, like what the heck are people so fascinated with blackhead extractions? I mean, what is going on? So it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of dedication, but I think that there's definitely something to be said about doing things and understanding social media. And it takes a little bit of effort. I hear a lot of people that say, oh yeah, I want to get into it and I'm going to just farm it out to staff or you know, a loved one or your kid or something. It's not that easy because 
you are the dermatologist. You understand it much differently than even your staff member can. And you should be involved in it because if you see what people like and they don't like, then you're able to really kind of go in that direction and tailor what you like, knowing what people like about your social media. That is really important. I think I'm very happy about some of the decisions I made early on in terms of what to show. But I think that social media has helped me to become a much better dermatologist. I think because you are exposed, you know, you see what people like about you. And then, you know, you understand that those are your positive traits. And I didn't even know that I had something that was positive about me particularly. And then I noticed, oh, okay, people like it when I say this, or people like it that I do this. And so it helps you to really realize what makes you a good dermatologist really and that makes you better on the other side i think that and i don't know for sure but i would hope i mean there's some people that might actually hurt them maybe because of your personality maybe doesn't mesh well with it or you rub people the wrong way but hopefully you take that in a positive way and you try to make it better which is sort of the outlook that i have in life you know and and i just try to be as humble and as kind and not mean-spirited. I certainly don't bite back at people if they, I'm really lucky that in general, my community is really, really nice and kind to each other. I think initially it's because they found their people and they're just so happy that they all enjoy this <laughs> together. You know, they could be crazy together, but I think I help to foster that. And that's really important. I think when you're mean and answer back to people, it's not worth it on the internet. And I thought those are important things that I try to do. So my best advice is to try to get involved. I mean, you see these people now, their kids are doing TikTok and so they're doing it with them. I do think that some TikToks, there was a little point there where they were getting a little inappropriate. And you have to remember that you are a physician, you're a dermatologist, and you don't ever make your patients feel like they're embarrassed or that you're judging them, or I think that's really important. Don't ever really outwardly complain about what you do. We are so lucky to do what we do. And there's a lot of negatives about, you know, we don't like to deal with hair loss. I don't like to deal with toenails, but I don't really talk. I mean, I joke about it jokingly, but I would never insult somebody because their cysts smelled or, or that they had crazy toenails or, you know, and I think that's really important to do. Because a lot of what we do, especially as dermatologists, is so much mental to making sure people feel confident in themselves. So those are the things that I stand by and what I try to do. And I just try to be honest to people. I try to talk to them like I would talk to my friends or my family. And I think they respect that. And, and that there's a way that we can, I think a lot of us dermatologists do it well because we have to. We're like a glorified hairstylist, I say a lot, that we have to talk to somebody and make conversation and be friends with them and have them like us. And that's part of enjoying your time at work too. You know, I say a lot of the times it's like me standing in line at the grocery store and then the person turns around and you're like, have to talk to them for half an hour. What are you going to say? We get really good at that. So those are the things that I would recommend people to think in those ways and show your personality. That's why people follow people on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube. That's why you become fans with somebody. If he's just a gamer and there's hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of gamers, why do you like this one? You like something about their personality. You like them. 
you feel like you know them. So that's really important to get across and without making yourself look crazy or certainly divulging too much of your life either. Right. What do you think some of the effects are of recording interactions with patients, whether they are surgical interactions or whether they are one-on-one -on -one chatting with patients? How do you think that impacts the physician-patient relationship since a lot of us are used to recording things because maybe we're recording a procedure that's going to be used without audio for X, Y, or Z. But in your case, of course, a lot of the time what you're doing is you're recording as part of the whole effect and the story and the experience. Uh, how do you think that works? And do you feel like it is helpful for the physician-patient relationship? Do you think it's a little harmful? Or do you think it's kind of basically neutral in terms of how the interaction ends up going? That is a really good question because I will tell you in all my five years of doing a lot of these kinds of interviews asking similar questions, I've never got that. And I've never really thought of it in that way, that that is how my videos are different. Uh, I think one of my intentions with starting this is I've always loved human interest stories. Like I've loved On the Road with Charles Corral. I like the guy who throws the dart and says everybody has a story. And he goes somewhere and finds somebody in the Yellow Pages back in the day when we had Yellow Pages. And so I've always loved that. And that's one of the things I've loved about my patients is that, and we all feel this way, they teach us so much about the world. And part of it is they're really essentially being forced to answer my questions because I'm standing over them with something sharp, most likely. And, you know, there I'm asking them questions. So that has been something that I've done early on, because I just wanted people to see that was part of what made dermatology amazing. And I think that worked in my benefit, because that's what also draws people into my videos. In particular, there are characters that they love just as much as they love or patients, actually, they're characters, because they don't have their real name used, that they love just as much as the videos themselves. And I think that that has been really important with what I do, because I think a lot of them are fairly repetitive. They are people, they are the same kinds of surgeries. They were all focused on popping somehow, lipomas and cysts and steatocystomas and hylometricomas, all that kind of stuff. So it has been a really great thing. I knew early on that this was really something that I had to do carefully because of HIPAA or because I didn't want people to feel exposed. Most important thing for me was not making people feel that they were forced into a situation or embarrassed of what they have put out there. So I'm pretty controlling as to who is doing the editing. I mean, now I've had to let that go a little bit because I don't have the time for it. But certainly I held on to that for as long as I could because it was, and the people who do it are instructed if they ever give out a name or even where they might live or just personal things. I think it's important that they have my trust and they understand that I don't include those. And I certainly try to change the conversation accordingly. But I think that they've liked it. I mean, I have had very few people, like 1% or less people say that they don't want to be taped. And actually now it's like the opposite. People come from far away, which is ridiculous in its, in its own sense. And then they are sad if they're not taped. So. I guess it's helped me to build my business too, because they have trust in me.
that they know they are number one. And that's what I say to all my people for the TV show. When I look at them, there's always cameras around and we just finished the console. I just met them for the first time. I mean, I look at them and I say, look, I don't care about these cameras. You're like the number one person. You know, I care about you. So ultimately, it matters to me the most what is going on in your mind and what we're dealing with. So I think um, it all goes full circle. You know, I, it helps me be a better dermatologist. I think it helps people trust me to the extent that they're going to cross over thousands of dermatologists to see me, which is ridiculous because I'm certainly not the most accomplished, the most intelligent, the most technically great dermatologist. So it has a power, which is quite amazing. Right. And that actually touched on my next question for you, which was going to say, really, how do you feel like doing this has impacted your relationship with the non-cis, non-lipoma patients who, because you're still doing, you're still doing general derm? I uh, do not a ton of it. I do mainly skin cancer surgery. I'm more mm -hmm. the dermatologic surgeon and cosmetic dermatologist. So I do see a little bit here and there. Certainly people seek me out. Like if I have somebody who has hydradenitis on the show or something, then all of a sudden a lot of people look right. for me for that. And, or bullis, I haven't had anyone with any blistering diseases, but in a way, I'm almost scared of it because I'm not the person that they necessarily should be seeing for this, you know. But that's what's been really nice is the support that I've had from other dermatologists, actually. That was one of the things I was pretty scared at in the beginning, that I was afraid that I would get a lot of hostility from other doctors, other dermatologists, because I was maybe they felt I was making a mockery of dermatology. And it from the outside, that's what it looks like. I mean, I'm calling myself Dr. Pimple Popper. I think a lot of us don't like that idea that we are one step above the clinic counter, you know, as Seinfeld said. So it has really been a wonderful thing, though, that I've ended up seeing that in general, was really this most part, I actually don't know anybody that hates me. I mean, I don't want to know. So don't tell me. <laughs> But it's been really lovely that way. Sorry, I went off on a tangent. I really appreciate your honesty and your candor, actually, in addressing this, because I could see a lot of dermatologists, particularly those of us who are a little bit older, being very concerned about kind of making that first foray into social media, especially if we're doing kind of patient-directed social media, that we don't want to fall down a slippery slope where our colleagues are going to think kind of, what's this person doing? What's this joker doing? And I think it's really a testament to you in many ways that you have not only not slipped down that path, but if anything, as you said, you've been exalted by your peers, that dermatologists are like, hey, you know, wow, you know, you're doing a great job. You're really kind of helping spread the word about what dermatologists do, about what dermatologic surgeons do, and also about what some of the things that our patients are suffering through and our patients are dealing with. Because I think it's very easy for people who don't have a lot of familiarity with dermatology to say, hey, you know, it's just a bunch of teenagers with acne and not necessarily appreciate that 99% of what most of us do is not teenagers with acne. Mm -hmm. I imagine that it's been a long time since you've seen a teenager with acne as, as a patient. Yeah, but I miss them. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that really is though a real testament to you in terms of that you have really kind of fostered this response within the dermatology community of saying, hey, you know, wow, this is somebody who's you know, doing a serious job and she's doing it with a smile and she's helping people out. And this in many ways is a form of outreach in terms of reaching mm -hmm. out to patients and getting that awareness out there of some of the conditions that we treat and some of the conditions that are really things that we can address as dermatologists and that we can help. This mantra, as you mentioned, of Dr. Pimple Popper, as in the Seinfeld version, or of just a dermatologist, I think a lot of people bristle at that. I think those of us who've been doing it a little bit longer don't really even hear it. 
anymore. I know a lot of colleagues who kind of tend to use that in many ways as an excuse for getting out of something they don't want to do, right? Patient wants narcotics. Oh, I'm just a dermatologist. I'm not really the person you should ask. So you can certainly use that to your advantage. But let me ask you one final question, and then I promise I'm going to wrap up. So one final question. I was given advice many years ago. One of my mentors, Rudy Roth, said to me that we should all keep in mind that our careers are made up of phases, that this isn't sort of a, an idea that we can predict from the time that we're residents and to say, this is the trajectory I'm on, this is what I'm going to do. But rather, we should really embrace the idea that we're really going to go through lots of different phases, potentially. And those of us who are most lucky, I think, go through a lot of different phases where we're exposed to lots of different things and where we can kind of explore different things, whether professionally or personally. What are your thoughts on that as somebody who really I think is sort of the apotheosis of a dermatologist who is sort of exploring different phases and different areas of interest and focus. I mean, I think your mentor is definitely spot on with that. I, I think I've learned that through time with my patients too, that you know that your path can never be fully planned out and life is an adventure. And that's the way I think it's really great to approach it because you shouldn't be, if you think when you're in grade school that you must be a dermatologist and if it doesn't happen, that's a crossroads for you and you gotta decide which direction you wanna go in and that's what life is about, is about crossroads. But I'll say that like, I think it's really cool and exciting what I'm doing now. My husband put it really well about a year ago. We're going to LA and we're meeting with our agent, which I have now, or entertainment lawyer or whatever, which is mind boggling in its own sense. And I'm talking about how stressed I am about this, that, or the other. And he's like, you know, you are, realize how lucky you are that you get to pivot in your life at this point. You get to change when at this point, you're kind of like, this is what you're doing for the rest of your life. You get to change it and go in like a totally different direction, yet use your knowledge that you have gained through this point to get you propelled in that direction. And it's true. That's really made me think about how wonderful this is and that I should really cherish every moment of it. And I think that that is just important to know about life. I don't think any of us know where we're going or what we're going to be doing in 10, 20 years. You have an idea about it, uh, but you know, you should think about it that it's all should be in a way exciting. And the ideal thing to do is to use what you have learned in life to make it better. Wonderful. Well, Dr. Sandra Lee, Dr. Pimple Popper, thank you so yeah. much for taking the thank time you. to talk with Dialogues in Dermatology today. Really a pleasure and really just wonderful hearing your insight and your perspectives on your amazing trajectory and your amazing career. And thank you so much for everything that you're doing for your patients with this specialty. And uh, thank you so much for sharing with all of us today. And thank you for everything that you're doing. I hope you guys are staying safe and sane out there in Florida. And please give my regards to your beautiful wife and your family. And I hope to come out and visit you one day in person and vice versa, yeah. please. Yeah, know, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I know. Well, all that craziness that we had before was like out the window and yes. everything. But it, it'll be nice to have some semblance of normalcy down the road. Right. We can, right. Uh, hopefully. I uh, mean, I think this is like just what we, our last question. Like, this is crazy. We've never predicted this. And all of us are moving in a different direction. And I think that the thought is that you do move forward. You mm -hmm. don't get too bogged down in everything that's going on. I think that in my mind, I'm always like thinking right. about what can I do now in this present se situation right. to make things better for myself, right. my family, for other people, maybe, you know, right. all that kind of stuff. Right, right. That's awesome. That's wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Sandra. I really thank appreciate it on a personal level. Thank you. And uh, it was a lot yes. of fun and, and good seeing you again. 
We hope you've enjoyed this edition of Dialogues in Dermatology. This is Lauren Council, your Editor-in-Chief. For more podcasts, including bonus issues, check us out online at the website of the American Academy of Dermatology or through the Dialogues in Dermatology app. You can now also sync your subscription to your favorite podcast app. New podcasts are released each week in addition to our monthly JAD podcast. We hope you enjoyed these new options for listening to Dialogues and the increased content for your listening pleasure. Thank you.